You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I didn't think Odell Beckham Jr. was going to be traded, but uh, I wonder if the Cleveland Browns are reconsidering that with a little bit of drama there where OBJ's dad now involved in this. Uh, OBJ Sr. is involved in this. Uh, let's, uh, let's start there with Peter King from uh, Football Morning in America, NBCSports.com. Why, do you, why didn't you think he was traded, Pete? Who's got the money for Odell Beckham? I mean, Dan, the biggest problem at the trading deadline this year is that there were a record number of teams within $5 million of the salary cap or less. The Rams really wanted Von Miller, but they told the Broncos, listen, we have, we have no money and we've already redone all the contracts that we can. The only way this gets done is if you take the vast majority of his money. The Rams paid an extra third round pick for Von Miller because the Broncos were willing to pay $9 million of the 9-7 that was left. So with Odell, I mean, I'm trying to think of the number now. I wrote it in my column a week ago. Uh, that if anybody wants them, basically they got to commit whatever 21 million bucks to them over the next three years and including this year. And it's just, I mean, does anybody really want to do that for a guy who A, gets hurt a lot, B, for whatever reason, okay, and no one really knows, but for whatever reason, he's not the receiver he was with the Giants. Is he not getting targeted enough? That's what he would say. Uh, I mean, but Dan, his, his yards per catch is way down from Giants days. It's just he's, he's, a, he's kind of a mystery player right now. Plus, he's, he's either about to turn 29 or 29. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, teams without money and not knowing what guy you're getting when you trade for Odell Beckham, I think that's the reason why. Yeah, but it's just strange that he got there. And it, it, it felt like his mind was still in New York. Like he, the Giants sent you to the Browns. They wanted to punish you. And he kept yeah. like, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. I mean, they're a contender. He, he, he could be a media darling. Like you want out of a situation that you would want into a situation where you got a chance to win a Super Bowl in Cleveland. Um, you're, you could be the star of this team. I'm just curious when I watch, there are times when I can go a long period of time I don't hear his name called. Yeah, I think part of that is that so he missed, I think, nine games last year. He's missed a couple of games this year with injury. Uh, so, Dan, that's that's the big question. You know, who is he? And that that the other part of this, I think, is, I mean, when you think about Odell Beckham Jr., okay, you think of a real explosive receiver. And, you know, he just hasn't. I mean, he had a couple of plays last year against Dallas. I think one was even a running play, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a reverse. And, you know, he looked like the old explosive Odell. But to me, I mean, he's such a squeaky wheel. And at some point you have to determine, and I'm sure the Browns have buyer's remorse, uh, but at some point you have to determine if that's worth it. And I'm sure a lot of teams around the league, I mean, look, we might sit here, Dan, and say, oh, you know, his dad doing that, that's just a father protecting his son or whatever, being a fan, whatever it is. I mean, stuff like that gets into a locker room. Do you want to trade for that? I mean, he's been been as disruptive as he's been effective. Uh, and, And, you know, the other thing is, you know, if you look at his career in with the Giants, he was like, he was a touchdown machine. You know, I mean, this guy has scored seven touchdowns in two and a half years with the Browns. I mean, he's, he hasn't scored a touchdown since midseason last year. So I, I, what are you getting, Dan? That's the question. What's the trade that should have happened but didn't? The trade that should have happened that didn't is uh, – I think the Broncos, if, if I were them, I would have traded Kyle Fuller for whatever I can get. Uh, you've got enough depth in the secondary right now. You're down on Kyle Fuller. And I know there wasn't as robust a market for him as people thought, but, I mean, he's still uh, – just look at all the teams, all the top-tier teams in the NFL that could use a corner right now. Um, I, I thought that was one that should have happened and did Give me the strategy behind the Texans not trading Deshaun Watson. 
mean, you got to have two teams that want to make a trade. If the Miami Dolphins really wanted Deshaun Watson, they would have traded for him. Now, I do not know what happened in this alleged conversation between Stephen Ross and Deshaun Watson on Monday night. I'm not positive it happened, but let's just say it did. You know, uh, basically, if you're, if you're Stephen Ross, you've got to get a commitment from either Deshaun Watson's people or his handlers, his agent, his lawyers, whatever, to say, we're going to make this thing go away. We are going to make a settlement uh, on this right now. And, I, and for whatever reason, whether that was asked for and didn't happen, if I were the owner, that's what I would have said. We'll trade for you if this goes away. <laughs> and we'll deal with the firestorm. <clears throat> but Deshaun Watson and his attorney last spring chose to not settle. Uh, whether they could have or not, I don't know. But he has steadfastly proclaimed his innocence. That's America. But you can't ask an acquiring team to acquire a superstar player and you don't know whether he's going to be available not only this year, but on opening day next year. If this goes the way we think it is, Dan, and this doesn't get resolved until sometime in 2022, Deshaun Watson's probably not playing opening day next year. So who would trade for that? Yeah, and what are you trading, and and when are you going to get him? We've asked the Texans twice, whose decision is this that Deshaun Watson is not playing? Is it the Texans? Is it Deshaun's? Is it the NFL? And we've gotten no response. What if Deshaun goes in and goes, hey, I'd like to play now? It's a coach's decision, and David Culley would say, I'm sorry we're playing Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. Uh, And, you know, so then – you have to decide, do you want to be the ultimate squeaky wheel and start screaming to play? Um, I, doubt, I doubt he would do that. My gut feeling is this is just going to continue as it has been the whole year. Is it tanking? Is it what? Tanking. Um, is it tanking? I don't think it's tanking in the truest sense of the word. Let me ask you a question, Dan. If you owned a football team and there was some significant evidence that your star had had sexual impropriety uh, with any number of women up to the number 22. And uh, you have to ask yourself, do I want this person wearing my uniform? Uh, That's a question that for anybody who says, oh my God, he ought to be playing. Ask yourself the question, if you would want Deshaun Watson being the quarterback of your team right now, when he has not been found guilty of anything yet, but uh, you know, is the, is, are the accusations so I, whatever word, so reprehensible that you, uh, that you would want him, that you could, you could overlook them and have him play for your team. I, I wouldn't want to. Why not suspend him? You don't need to. But you're if paying you, him. I think that's where people you have You are problem. paying him, but, but if you suspend him, the NFL or the NFLPA is just going to challenge it. And the NFLPA is going to say, this man, it's America. He's innocent until proven guilty. Nothing has been found guilty. The NFLPA would win it. Uh, you know, there's, I don't see any alternative. If you're not going to play him, be, if you don't want to play him, it's just like the Keyshawn Johnson thing with Gruden. The last six games of the year, they just told him, hey, stay home. And they paid him f- for not coming because Gruden hated Keyshawn so much and thought he was disruptive. <clears throat> and, you know, I, if, if you suspend him and don't pay him, you're going to have uh, the NFLPA all over you, and the NFLPA would win. Talking to Peter King, Football Morning in America, columnist, NBCSports.com. You mentioned uh, John Gruden. With John Gruden out, with what happened with Henry Ruggs, they're a competitive team. Um, How do you sort of handicap what the Raiders are going to be able to do the second half of the season here? Well, here's the thing about the Raiders, all right? I, I mean, to me, the reason why this hurts them right now especially is because they had figured out the sweet spot with Henry Ruggs. 
And what I mean by that is they had figured out that we're not going to play him every snap because physically he's just not up to it. And so they had gotten great production out of him. I mean, he was the modern day Cliff Branch and he was going to have a great career. And now, now that he's gone, now you ask yourself, so what are they going to do? I think for the short term, Zay Jones is probably the guy who will play in his spot Sunday against the Giants. But I would expect if Deshaun Watson clears waivers uh, by, by I think it, it is Thursday at 4 p.m., might be Wednesday at 4 p.m. because he wasn't traded in time. I think it's, he's got to clear waivers by Thursday at 4 p.m., and if he does, I would expect the Raiders to be very interested. But <clears throat> the Raiders are hamstrung like so many teams right now. They're $2.6 million under the cap. So if they were to sign Deshaun Jackson, they would have to get him for bargain basement. And so and, – and you don't know right now. I don't know how much Mike Mayock thinks of Deshaun Jackson, but it's a very, very logical substitute, especially for a team – that's better than we all thought they'd be at midseason. What did you make of the Rams' strategy in uh, trading for Von Miller? It fits everything that they do. They figure that we'd rather have a proven veteran than an unproven rookie, <clears throat> even if it's like for two picks. You, you know, you look at what happened with uh, Jalen Ramsey, and and I forget what number picks they were that they traded, but who wouldn't take the best corner in football for two low ones uh, or whatever the deal was. And I think it's the same thing with Von Miller. They will trade essentially, let's make it up, Dan, the 60th and 95th picks about somewhere around there uh, for Von Miller. They will play him sparingly. I think they're not going to play him every snap now. Because they, this is a trade for January and February, Dan. It's not a trade for November. And so they want him to be fresh when they're trying to beat Tom Brady in the divisional game in January. Have you touched base, base with uh, John Gruden? No. No, I've not spoken to him. What if the Jets have found their quarterback and that quarterback is not Zach Wilson? I think this is a very interesting game on Thursday night because if Mike White plays great and if somehow, some way they win, I don't think there's any way Salah's putting Zach Wilson back in the game a week from Sunday when he's healthy. Just, I mean, that's my guess. Uh, how could you? Uh, if the guy plays two great games in a row and your franchise future guy had been struggling the way Zach Wilson was. Um, but that's something that, um, I think it's easy to say what if, but we just don't know because the games haven't been played. I wouldn't expect that Mike White would play great again um, on the road, a loud environment, uh, Colts playing for their season. Um, but, you know, you never know. I, I do think that Robert Sala is a lot more interested in winning than he would be interested in putting salve on the hurt feelings of Zach Wilson, however. I know you're a big baseball fan. I mentioned when the Braves were celebrating last night, one of the things I thought about is, do we move on now from the Astros of 2017? You've only got a couple of players left. Altuve is still you know, there. And you're going to lose, they'll lose the shortstop Correa. now. Yeah. Uh, they'll lose Correa now. So there will only be two big guys left. And, you know, it was funny, Dan, you know, the Fenway crowd was killing the Astros during the playoffs. And this thought occurred to me. The best players on the Astros in that playoff series were all guys who were either not even in their organization. They might have been in college or high school. What I, in 2017, where was Jordan Alvarez? You know, uh, where, where was Fromber Valdez? <laughs> I mean, you know, these guys, they walk in and they said, it reminds me of George, what George Young used to say when there'd be some controversy involving the Giants that he had nothing to do with. And he would say, what did I do? I'm just sitting around here picking my nose and there's a crisis. <laughs> and it's just, you know, those guys have to be thinking, man, you're picking on the wrong guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just don't know. I think Dodger fans are going to keep that uh, and never let go. But I don't know if other fan bases really care since the Astros lost to the Braves. I, you know what? The Yankee, Yankee crowd will be the exact same way. Yeah. You know, the Astros are kind of fortunate that they don't play the Dodgers. How often do they play them? Once every three years? I don't even know how the interleague schedules work. But obviously, they go to the Bronx once a year. And that crowd will never let them forget it. But And that'll happen long after, you know, Jose Altuve will be in a retirement home. And the Yankees will still be killing the Astros every time that an Astro walks into Yankee Stadium. Uh, one other thing I forgot football-wise, uh, I thought maybe the Saints would reach out to the Broncos since they're having a, you know, a fire sale and bring back Teddy Bridgewater. Um, now there's a, a report maybe that Philip Rivers would be interested in playing for the Saints. What do you think Sean Payton does the rest of the season at that position? I talked to him at length on Sunday night, Dan. I didn't get the impression that he thought the answer for at quarterback was outside the room. I'm not saying that it can happen, but the other part of it is the Saints don't have two nickels. The Saints are one of two teams in the NFL right now who are under a million dollars for the salary cap. You think Phillip Rivers is going to play for dimes? I mean, played for 25 million bucks last year. Yeah. Uh, and I doubt sincerely that they would move heaven and earth for a guy who might be their quarterback after he practices for a while for what, seven weeks and maybe the playoffs. I'm telling you, Sean Payton thinks that he can manage a game with Trevor Simeon and he thinks he can use Taysom Hill. He might have Taysom Hill start. I don't know. But I think he's okay with those guys. Uh, now, if he gets one of them hurt, then he has to go to Ian Book, and then he might be in a little bit of trouble, even though he does love Ian Book. But having said all that, my gut feeling is that they're not going to look outside for quarterback. Great to talk to you again, Pete. Thank you. Have a great week. Hey, okay, Dan, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Tom Pelissero covers the NFL, NFL Network, and uh, he joins us on the program. All right, go ahead. Build your, uh, build your team, Tom. Who's your quarterback, running back, wide receiver, right, wide receiver, tight end? Well, Dan, I first want to say when I initially saw that list, uh, I'm wondering, are we playing with 10 men on offense? Because I'm pretty sure you get either a third receiver, a second tight end, a fullback. So we really could add one, a flex spot, uh, if you will. My list is, is not that different. <laughs> I, I think it has to be Tom Brady at quarterback just yeah. based upon the the history and seven championships i think it's got to be you know running back is the hardest one for me i would lean toward barry sanders because of what he did in the amount of time that he did it jim brown's before my time uh emmett smith walter Payton in that conversation i'd say it's barry wide receiver jerry rice and i would say randy moss just because you know i remember watching him in 1998 and literally changed the way defenses had to play changed the way i mean the packers in 1999 drafted i think corners with their first three picks because they realized we're gonna have to deal with this guy forever and rob gronkowski because he's the biggest matchup nightmare that we've ever uh, ever seen at tight end yeah i don't know if they're you know you can have favorites you know fritzy's a bronco fan so he puts in john elway or you know puts in uh shannon sharp um and i have no problem with elway in there either because we can look at tom brady and say the resume like, but is he the best quarterback? You know, and, and and he won all these Super Bowls, but is he still the best quarterback? If you said, hey, you know, Joe Montana, you got to win a game, uh, or whoever your quarterback might be, or John Elway, is Tom Brady the best quarterback in that situation? I think it depends how you define best, because I don't think that you would look at last season. Remember, when the Bucks went into their bye in November, they weren't playing well offensively. They were yeah. kind of a mess. They looked like an average team. We were wondering, are they even going to make the playoffs? They obviously adjusted the offense. It became a lot more like what Brady had been running in New England. They went on an all-time uh, epic run. But I don't think if you said the body of work in 2020, was Tom Brady even in the top five quarterbacks for the if you take the entirety of the season? Yeah. Probably not. 
but there's more to playing quarterback than just being able to make unbelievable throws or run like Lamar Jackson or, you know, the freaky things you can do with your arm like Patrick Mahomes. I think that you have to look at the – it is the intangibles. It is the leadership that you bring to the position. It's the consistency over a great number of years that uh, Tom Brady has shown. I mean, we can always go back to, you know, let's say eight years ago where there was a stretch of about a decade where the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl – and there were times where it was raised, you know, when they start out off to a bad start and how much longer does Tom have? And the guy goes and wins several more championships. I mean, we've never seen anything like that. And just the, the singular, the one driving force between those titles is Tom Brady, even going to a new building last year in Tampa, having COVID, no offseason, just kind of rolling out there, completely changed the culture of the team. And they won a Super Bowl against what I would say would be all odds based on how they were playing just a couple months before the championship game. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network reporter, and uh, Thursday Night Football continues this week. Jets, Colts, that's on uh, Fox, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime Video. I was wondering if uh, I gave Sean Payton a do-over, given the Michael Thomas news that he's now out for the year, would they have made a run at Odell Beckham? Or should they have brought in maybe Teddy Bridgewater, tried to see if the Broncos were willing to trade him and pay part of that salary? Uh, the Saints didn't do anything. How surprising was that? Well, they tried. The Saints were actively involved on talks uh, for wide receivers in particular. Darius Slayton was one. Um, at some point, there may have been a conversation about Odell Beckham Jr. too. The issue with the conversations yesterday, and obviously they were sparked by Odell Beckham Sr. and LeBron James saying various things about freeing Odell from Cleveland. There was no way that the Browns could trade that contract. And it was too late to eat money like the Broncos did uh, with Vaughn Miller. So Beckham's due $14.5 million this year in base salary. Almost the entire thing's fully guaranteed. A new team, Saints or otherwise, would have had to take on $8.5 million. There's nobody in the league who is trying to take on any salary hardly, much less take on that amount of money for a guy who just hasn't been that productive. If you and our, our research people pulled up these numbers yesterday, Baker Mayfield, his passer rating is 20 points lower this season throwing to Odell versus anybody else. And Baker Mayfield has the lowest passer rating to Odell Beckham Jr., the lowest passer rating for a duo of anybody in the league going back to 2019 with at least 100 attempts. Those two, for whatever reason, and obviously there's a throw in Minnesota, Baker just misses Odell, could be a game-winning play, could change the entire tenor of the conversation. For whatever reason, those two have never clicked. Three years, the chemistry is not there. That contract just isn't tradable for a guy who's got, what, 17 catches, no touchdowns this season? Uh, you know, and frankly, if Odell had not had uh, a contract guarantee kick in while he was still rehabbing from his ACL, he probably wouldn't even be on the Browns this season. Yeah, it's just weird that, you know, people keep bringing up Odell Beckham and, you know, he brings about clicks. You know, when you talk about Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield, it's yeah. clicks. Therefore, he gets he's overexposed and in right now overrated. But I can still watch a game and I don't hear his name called, Tom. Like this is a guy that I'm being told, oh, you know, he's generational talent. Is this design? Is it? Uh, like, how do you have a lack of chemistry, communication, or whatever it is with somebody that great that somehow you're not on the same page with him? Well, that's the real question because these guys have had, even though Odell's had some injuries, obviously the ACL last year, he was limited through the course of training camp. They've had a lot of time on task together, and for whatever reason, it has not clicked. Now, Odell has had, I think, 34 targets this season. He's had 17 catches, so that's 50%. Which again, not a very good number. He's dropped a couple passes. He had opportunities on fourth down a couple of weeks ago. Didn't haul him in. He's playing with a significant shoulder injury right now, too, which you have to evaluate uh, as part of the conversation. I go back to the training camp this year, and you know, at that time, Odell was not doing team drills yet. This is like halfway through training camp. But you stand there on the sideline and you watch him and the quick twitch that he has to him, how fast he is, how agile he is, and you still go, how is this guy not one of the best receivers in the NFL? And it's certainly possible in another system or with a different quarterback. Uh, there might be more opportunities out there for him. But right now, he's playing in an offense in Cleveland that has been, since Kevin Stefanski got there, really, really productive. Centers around the run game, Nick Chubb, and when he's healthy, uh, Kareem Hunt. The passing game, in some regards, comes second. So he's never going to get 
You know, it's not going to be the Ben McAdoo Giants offense where basically they made the playoffs that year because they threw it to him 20 times a game mm-hmm. and just were like, Odell, try to make something happen because we got nothing else going on. It's never going to be like that in Cleveland. You know, Odell, I'm sure in his mind, and I haven't spoken to him about it, but I would guess he still believes he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He could put up those monster numbers. The offense isn't really geared to do that, but when you get the opportunities, you have to find a way to connect, and Baker and Odell haven't done that. I was told yesterday by a source that uh... – Denver is is loading up for Aaron Rodgers. That they know that the Packers like draft picks. You know they don't go the free agent market very often. That they're going to load up if he's going to be available there. And that's why when you trade Von Miller, pick up his salary, and but you're getting a second and third round pick. Like we got to have a nice uh, gift offering to the Packers to get Aaron Rodgers. What do you think of that philosophy by Denver? I think it's fair to say. The Broncos, as of now, don't know that they have the quarterback of the future on the roster. Teddy Bridgewater coming in from Carolina, I think, for a sixth-round pick. Beats out Drew Locke, former second-rounder. It's fair to say you're not committed to either of those guys as your long-term quarterback. So whether it's Aaron Rodgers or something else, the Broncos absolutely are loaded up on capital to have the flexibility uh, to go out and get a quarterback. They've been connected to Aaron Rodgers. He was the MVP of the NFL last season. He's playing at a really high level now. Uh, Aaron told people going back into the offseason with all the drama that Denver was a place that he wanted to be. And we'll see who the head coach ends up being in Denver, too, which also could you know, alter exactly how Aaron Rodgers looks at things in terms of you know, where he wants to land. Think about this, though. We had so much quarterback movement last offseason, beginning with Matthew Stafford agreeing to part ways with the Lions. He gets traded to the Rams. You had Carson Wentz, uh, who was on the move. You had obviously rumors and some reality too to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Well, in this offseason now, Deshaun Watson did not get traded. That is an extraordinarily complicated situation, including the serious allegations of sexual misconduct. You have Russell Wilson. We don't know exactly what direction that's going to go. You have Aaron Rodgers, even though the Packers are playing well, and suddenly Aaron is throwing some bouquets to Brian Gutekunst in the front (laughs) office about the moves that they have made, which don't overlook that. Uh, all three of those guys potentially uh, could be available. This is not regarded as a really good class uh, in the draft in terms of quarterbacks. When I've talked to scouts and GMs and they're flying around the country watching these guys, it's not a really highly regarded group. Now, is somebody going to make one of those guys into the number one overall pick? History would say yes. Someone will convince themselves to do it. But if you're looking for a quarterback in 2022, and it's quite likely that the Broncos will be, you're certainly inclined to be looking at those potential veteran options over the draft. And there's at least three guys, not even counting the one-year contract guys, the Jameis Winstons of the world. Uh, There's three guys who everyone's going to be looking at. And those deals, once again, could come well before the start of free agency on March 16th. And and I had a source saying, you know, Rogers still wants to get back out West that, I think he thought that he was going to go to the Rams, that that maybe that was going to be the possibility, or he could go to the Niners. You know, when you start going out West, how many teams are out West? Um, That's why... got quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's why Denver seems like the, the option. The question is, I mean, who knows what happens the rest of the year, playoffs, you know, any of that stuff. But I, I did think that Denver has a philosophy here. You'll, you'll have a new head coach next year. Um, you know, they're, they're going to try to do, you know, John Elway's probably going to try to do what he did with uh, Manning, you know, Re- recruit Aaron Rodgers the best he can. And, uh, you know, I think it fly to Aaron Rodgers. Like, didn't he do that with Peyton Manning? Like he wanted Peyton so badly. He's like, I'm, I'm going to fly to you. I, I want to bring you in. And maybe, maybe that's what the philosophy is. If you're giving up on Von Miller and uh, that's it, you know, it's an interesting team though, Tom. I think Denver quietly has a young nucleus that could be a surprise team. It's just in that division, you better have yourself a quarterback because everybody else has a quarterback, even the Raiders with Derek Carr. Well, if you're looking at the weapons, and I can guarantee you Aaron Rodgers did that last offseason when he was having various conversations and hoping that he was going to be potentially playing someplace other than Green Bay. I mean, Javante Williams is a good young running back. Uh, Obviously, Melvin Gordon in that backfield too. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton at the wide receiver positions. Noah Fant at tight end. They've invested in the offensive line. And defensively, even though, you know, you're going through a transition, Bradley Chubb hasn't stayed healthy. 
you got Patrick Sertan, who looks like a really good young corner. Yeah, there's absolutely some building blocks. And you have to credit their new GM, George Payton, just for what he has done, being able to amass assets right now, not necessarily compromising this season because they're still in the playoff race in the AFC. It's just it's impossible to pass up a second and third round pick for a guy in Vaughn Miller, who in all likelihood was not going to be with the Broncos uh, beyond this season anyway. So, yes, there's definitely some building blocks in place. Uh, you can also bet, though, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to know who is the head coach. Vic Fangio's in his third year there. We'll see how the rest of this season goes. If there's somebody that Aaron Rodgers likes who lands that job or a different job, that certainly could uh, influence his thinking. And at some point, Aaron Rodgers, too. Remember, he's still under contract for 2022. So there's a conversation that's going to take place after this season. And we'll see what direction it goes. I mean, even if they win the Super Bowl, that does not necessarily guarantee everything is kumbaya and Aaron Rodgers wants to stay there. So we'll see exactly how this entire thing plays out. But at that point, the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers says, listen, even though we won big or we didn't win big, whatever it is, I still want out. The Packers will have two options. One is to say, Aaron, you got one year left on on your contract. You have, we're going to make you play that out and then you can walk in free agency. Or the Packers can say, we know we can trade this guy right now, potentially for multiple first round picks, build around Jordan Love, reboot the whole thing, as opposed to Rodgers walking after 2022, us getting a third round comp pick in 2023. That's a critical evaluation. And I'm sure that's something Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst and company have already been thinking through, even at a time where if you watch the Packers play right now, I can't imagine anybody, as much as you want to think long-term, but I can't imagine anybody is rooting for Aaron Rodgers to be someplace other than Green Bay in 2022. Uh, The Rams' philosophy, what do you make of it? It, It's fascinating. In fact, I was talking with a uh, a GM about this yesterday who said, you know, he thought what they're doing is pretty cool because nobody's done this. I mean, this is breaking the mold of the last 20 years of roster building in terms of giving up virtually all your draft picks next year. And listen, they can still get comp picks in returns. You look at some of those things. If Vaughn walks, for instance, after this season, you give up a second and third to Denver. Well, you get a third back. It's out in 2023, but you get that back if Vaughn signs elsewhere, potentially in free agency. Uh, but they've, they've leveraged themselves to the hilt. I mean, they've been extremely aggressive going all the way back to, you know, last year when they ate Todd Gurley's salary to release him. They had to find a taker for Jared Goff, and they gave up multiple ones to, along to uh, get Matthew Stafford out to L.A. Now you give up two more draft picks. you got virtually no draft capital in 2022, but they're going for it. They're in a competitive market in L.A., They have to look at the Chargers, not that it's a competition necessarily, but you're playing in the same stadium. I would imagine when the Chargers are playing well, they got a hot young quarterback in Justin Herbert. You're thinking, well, we got to make sure that we're going for it every year. So that's what they've done. And I said this, you know, all the way back in March, one of the dynamics I think is fascinating is Matthew Stafford through his entire career has obviously been a really good quarterback, but he's never had pressure on him before. In other words, every time, that the Lions either got to the playoffs, they go nine and seven, they lose in the first round again, or they go six and 10. Nobody was going, they got to get rid of Stafford. Everyone was going, it's the Lions. <laughs> Boy, the Lions. If only he weren't on the Lions. Well, that's gone now. You have everything around you uh, if you're Stafford. You know, he always, he plays hurt. He takes a lot of nicks. He kind of keeps himself going. I think that's going to be one of the storylines of this entire, you know, stretch run of the season and into January is just, Matthew Stafford on the biggest stage for the first time in his career. There's no excuses. And I think a lot of Matthew as a person having dealt with him through the years. He's obviously been, again, a really good player. But now the pressure's on. It's on John McVay. It's on the rest of that staff. Because if you don't win this year after you went for it, you got to pay for that in some regard because of the capital you've given up in the future. Great stuff, Tom. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Anytime, Dad. Thanks. That's Tom Pelissero. Covers uh, the NFL for the NFL Network. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? 
along with my fellow pro bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Spent a little bit of time talking about the uh, college rankings as the uh, committee sent out the first rankings last night, and we tend to overreact. It's just the first one here, not the last one. But you start to strategize and look at some of these teams, uh, you know, who they're going to be playing, Ohio State, Michigan State. They're going to be playing Alabama and Georgia are going to have a showdown here as well. And I just wondered who's going to be on the outside looking in. And I thought that maybe the committee was going to leave Cincinnati out because they didn't want to put them in. They go undefeated, and then they have to take them out. It's just a thought that I had when I was watching the the rankings uh, being unveiled. Luke Fickle is the head coach at Cincinnati. He joins us now. Coach, how's morale on campus today? (laughs) It's pretty good. I think uh, we had meetings this morning, and – it wasn't really brought up or talked about, but uh, I'm not uh, saying they don't understand and they don't know. But uh, outside of uh, our offices, I'm not really sure how the uh, how the uh, community out there is really feeling. OK, but let's let's try to figure out what the reasoning is, because you're going to have to your kids are going to want to know, you know, that the boosters fans are going to want to know, like, why are we on the outside looking in? You've done everything that you're supposed to do even though you had a close game against Navy and maybe you didn't dominate Tulane the way you should or whatever their reasoning is. Um, so why do you think you guys are sixth right now? That's what I leave to you guys. You guys uh, do a lot better job at talking about it and giving uh, maybe ideas and reasons and things like that for us within the program. It's really difficult to you know spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out exactly why. Like you said, I heard you before, this is the first ranking. It's not the last one. There's a lot of games to be played. We got a lot of work to still continue to do. I think there's still a lot of opportunities. So uh, where it does generate a buzz, I think that's the biggest thing about college football is the talk in the last six weeks of the season creates a lot of energy. Um, you know, so I kind of, for us in our program, I said, guys, let's leave it to the, the experts out there to figure out as to why and, and project who might be. And let's just try to handle our own business. What did you think of my uh, reasoning that maybe they left you out because they don't want you to stay in, you go undefeated and then they have no reason to take you out. I, maybe a good idea. You know, I think that uh, it gives them a little flexibility and a little leeway. I don't know exactly who makes all these decisions. Uh, I think they do look down the, the stretch and see, Hey, they've got some really good games coming up. Um, if they get into a championship game, obviously it would be another ranked team. So I think that gives you some abilities. And they also know what other people are playing. So I don't know if they really look that far and strategize or do they just throw things out there to create a little bit more of a buzz and something to talk about. I'm not sure. And I'm wondering about this because I've said this before. It's not like Cincinnati is a great football program, but you've had pockets there. You've certainly done a great job, but you've got to go play somebody. It's 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 you're not going to get these big schools are going to go. We're going to go to Cincinnati and play you. You you said we'll play anybody anywhere. We'll go to Notre Dame. We don't care. Um, who have you tried to schedule? You just can't. You can't get them on the schedule. <laughs> I don't know. I, to be honest with you, it, it, this is year five, and uh, truly, for the first three and a half years, I said, guys, you do whatever you want. I, I'm not worried about the scheduling. Uh, I've got to do a lot of, we got a lot of work to do to start before we start worrying about the scheduling. I think last year was the first year they even started to ask about some scheduling stuff that I wanted to even talk about. And, uh, I don't know, I mean, who they've reached out to and different things like that. I know that going into the season, having Notre Dame, having Indiana on the schedule, two top 10 ranked teams, um, was something that, you know, not only excited us, but, you know, for the talking heads gave them an opportunity to say, Hey, if they have any chance, at least they've got some top 10 teams already on their schedule. Should we look for style points in college football that it's not just winning in the NFL, you just win in college football. It's well, you won, but. Oh, I think obviously in the NFL, there's a lot more parity. That's the way the thing is designed to be college football. Well, I'd say there's not nearly as much parity, but it comes down to a lot more of not just who the best teams are. uh, It's who's playing the best. And each and every week, I think that's 
for me, what we try to evaluate. And uh, I think the great thing that they will do in college football, and I think they have done, and I think they get it from, from the basketball side of things, is let's really try to hone in on these last five weeks and say, as that stretch goes, who's playing the best football? Because ultimately, we gotta we got to find the right, if it's four, if it's six, if it's eight, however many they end up going to. Obviously, this year it's four. We need to find the four teams that we believe are playing the best football in the last three, four, five weeks of the season. Yeah, and I pointed this out to the audience uh, earlier in the show. You know, you'll play anybody. You played Georgia, but that was in a bowl game, and you guys should have won that game. I thought you guys were the better team there. So it's not one of those where they go, "Uh, yeah, there's a big drop-off between Georgia and Cincinnati. And I said, not as much as you think, because you got a a talented quarterback. you got a couple of guys on defense who are going to play in the NFL. Uh, How did you feel after that game against Georgia as far as talent-to-talent matching up with one of the best in the country? Well, I mean, obviously, I think the game dictated a lot of that. I think we gained some confidence, I think, in how we can match up. Um, you know, not saying that we didn't have some opportunities. Last year was a unique year that you didn't really play any too many out-of-conference games to kind of find out maybe where you are sometimes going into your, you know, conference season. Um, but I think I think what it made a lot of people recognize is you, you can't hang with the, the blue bloods, the, the top five, the top ten, if you don't have legitimately some time. You can play some good football and – you can keep some games close, but to truly, truly have a chance to beat those top five programs in the country, you got to have some talent of your own. You've got to have a, you know, a dynamic quarterback. You got to be able to play some, you know, complimentary football. And I think to me, as people continue to watch, I think that's what I want them to see from, you know, our program and what we are is, yeah, we might not have all the stars that uh, Georgia has or, or Alabama has, but you know, it's a lot about development. And you see these three, four, fifth year guys that, are uh, playing really good football and have a lot of opportunities to even play at the next level. Well, are you going to say that anything to the kids today? <laughs> does, does this topic what, what, come up? Uh, you know what? I mean, at the end of practice, we'll uh, we'll make sure we we bring it up. And and I'm one of those guys that you know didn't watch the show. Did, I went to my radio show last night and still had no idea. It was an eight o'clock radio show. I had no idea. Had not seen the uh, seen any of the the results. Had not heard about it. Didn't want to know. Um, but I also don't want to bury my head in the sand because I know our kids, it matters and it means something too. So we try to find a way that, hey, we're, we're going to make sure we're not ignoring what's going on, but hey, what, how can we use it to continue to motivate us? And you may get more publicity, Coach, by being sixth instead of four. Like almost yeah, I mean, positive publicity, like, oh my gosh, if you were four, you'd have a lot of people say, oh, they don't deserve to be four. <laughs> but when you're six, it's like you don't deserve to be six, you're getting screwed. So I guess you got to find a way that uh, it benefits you the most. And I think when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, it's 90% psychological. And you say, okay, now with whatever happened there, how do we kind of frame it and make sure our guys understand that we got to use this in the best way possible. Uh, do you have your standard response when you're asked about other job openings? Pretty much do. Yeah. Uh, let hey, let me uh, hear it. Let me hear it. So coach, <laughs> you know, your former athletic director is at uh, USC and uh, you interested in uh, that, that job opening. It's a great tribute to our players. i tell you what, what they've done on the football field has given us all opportunities. We got plenty of young guys that are getting calls as juniors to leave early. And uh, that's because of the people that are around them, the, how they've developed. Um, you know, so when we look at it, when people bring those things up, whether it's me or our coordinators, we say, hey, it's, it's all because of the program, the team, and what they've done. All right, let, let's go around the room. How did Coach <laughs> do with that? Paulie? Guys, we, we like it. He credited the players and went, went right to the players. That's original. Yeah, but it's a distraction. He's trying to take it away from him, put it on the kids. Oh. Uh, Seton, what did you think of Coach? I thought it was well played. Uh, well done. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mc, you remember, I, I – I, Yeah. Yeah, coach. I, I coached for I coached for Jim Trestle for ten years, and there's nobody that was better at finding a way around <laughs> questions and diverting them and making sure he could say what he really wanted to say. I did learn a little bit from him. Yes, McLevin. Yeah, sign me up to play. Do you need a backup punter, coach? Because yeah, I'm in. You don't know where you're going. Are you going to Cincinnati or are you going to Los Angeles? Yes, Todd. That was remarkably vague and smooth and classy. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, if you uh, you know win the national title, I'll come back. I'll be in the parade there, coach. I appreciate it. We will have you for sure. Thank you, coach. We appreciate your time. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. 
or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. It's always great to talk to Andy Staples. He covers college football for The Athletic and a host of the Andy Staples Show podcast. We just had Coach Fickle on. I asked him how morale was around the campus of Cincinnati, and he seemed like he was okay with this. But uh, if you're in, uh, Luke Fickle, Andy, how should you feel that Cincinnati is sixth in the uh, first uh, rankings? I think you should be pissed. I, I heard Luke, and, and he handled it well. And it's interesting because Luke is one of the uh, the least BS spewing coaches in college football. He's going to give it to you straight. And I, I do think in his circumstance, he has to make sure that his team is still focused, still ready to play against Tulsa on Saturday, can't really look at the big picture too much. So I, I, I get that. But I think you should be pissed because – what they said last night is, we're not letting you in. We're probably never letting you in. There is a chance Cincinnati could make the playoff if they're undefeated. But think, think of the level of chaos that has to happen above them and potentially below them. Because, you know, you've got, a, you've got Oklahoma sitting there undefeated in the Big 12 below them. They have not played the meat of their schedule, really. They're going to have to play Baylor. They're going to have to play Oklahoma State. They have to beat one of them twice if they want to be an undefeated Big 12 champ. So, there's a chance they can hop up. Uh, you know, Ohio State is sitting there at five above Cincinnati. They've got to play Michigan State. Michigan, that's a chance to jump. Uh, Oregon's there. Oregon, you know, the way they've played since beating Ohio State, the chance of them dropping a game and dropping below Cincinnati feels a little higher than, than a lot of these other things. But if you're Cincinnati, you're looking at it, you're going, okay, well, shoot, if Alabama wins out and then beats Georgia in the, in the SEC title game, well, that's two spots gone. So what, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do this any different? They went and beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame's probably going to be 11-1. and one. That's going to wind up being a really good win on the road. But their league is, is not that great this year. The, the American has been better in different years. I just don't know what you do if you're Cincinnati. Yeah, you can't do anything, but you can't leave it op open to interpretation of we just barely got by Navy or we barely got by right. Tulane. You, you can't you you got to win and you got to win impressive so they can't hold that against you. But I, I don't know if, if you heard me when I said, I think the committee left them out on purpose because they don't want to have them stay in, be undefeated and then take them out for no real good reason. What do you think of that? I don't think they thought about it that hard, Dan. I just having done the mock selection and the way, understanding the way the mechanics of that ranking works. So they kind of do them in buckets where you go three at a time. And so they did the first three, and, and what this basically means is Cincinnati was the last team in that second group of three. And I don't like. I remember when we did it, I was not even thinking about the four, five, and six teams when we were working on one, two, and three. Like it, it didn't even cross my mind of, oh, what, what, what's somebody going to think about where this team is? Because I was just once, once we had that group of three, once we decided those were the three that we were putting in that bucket. I wasn't thinking about the rest of them. So I think the way the discussion works, I just don't think you would have gotten that advanced where you said, okay, if we make them four, then we got to come up with a reason why they're not four anymore when we have like Ohio State jump them. Yeah. I, I, don't, I just don't think that's how the discussion works. Yeah, I might be giving them too much credit, but, but it feels like, I mean, this is a TV show. You know, these, these final four I mean, this is, these are TV games, and that's that's really important to remember. Where would you put Cincinnati if you if you had the uh, autonomy to have the top four? <laughs> I have no idea, Dan. I I did this exercise the other night, right after the games on Saturday, and I had Georgia number one, and I felt like you could put two through seven in pretty much any order, and then you give me a semi coherent argument about it, and I'm going to be like, okay, that's that's fine. I had I had. Georgia one, I had Michigan State two, I had Cincinnati three, and I had Alabama four. But I admitted, which the committee won't do, that I had Alabama four, not because of their resume, but just because I thought they were better than, than the teams that were below. Well, it's Alabama I, too. It might, you know, we, we, a lot of this is based off of, you know, teams get grandfathered in. Uh, of course, but it's not supposed to be like that. And, and the committee is supposed to be consistent in how they, like, if you're going to say, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do this the way, you know, we're going to act like handicappers and whoever would be favored in these games, we're going to rank them higher. 
Well, then you'd have Alabama number two. Georgia would be one and Alabama would be two because Alabama would be favored against all of these teams except Georgia. If that's how you want to do it, then say it that way. But of course, the rest of the rankings would look different because Ohio State would be three yeah. if you did it that way. Yeah. And so don't don't say we're consistent, we're doing it this way. No, no, you're doing it a bunch of different ways for a bunch of different teams. And I get that. And I know it's hard to do. It's hard to balance when there's 13 opinions. But just admit, hey, we're not going to be the most consistent people in the world. We're doing this. The only thing they could do consistently is tell us they're not going to put a group of five team in a four-team playoff. We're talking to Andy Staples. He covers college football for The Athletic, host of the Andy Staples Show podcast. If Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC title game, does Alabama still stay in the top four? I don't think so. I, I don't think there's any chance of that. The 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 chance of a two team a two loss team making the playoff is essentially if let's say Auburn won out. If Auburn wins every game left on the schedule, they would win the SEC West at ten and two, and they'd have a loss to Penn State and a loss to Georgia. And then they would play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And if they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, they would be in. They'd be the first two loss team to make the playoff. But Georgia would still make the playoff yeah. in that scenario. So the, it, it's interesting because if Georgia goes 12-0 and 0 into the SEC championship game, then they are going to the playoff. They're, they're, there's really nothing that's going to knock them out. And then if they lose that game, then the SEC is getting two in. You got your uh, Heisman vote ready for anybody right now? Well, I, I mean, shoot. Will Anderson at Alabama is looking awfully good, leading the nation in sacks. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum, I know the, uh, the Iowa offense is not working that great, but uh, the, the folks who know offensive line play tell me that he's the best center to come along in the last 15 years. Uh, Jordan Davis at Georgia, when he's on the field, you have to change everything you do about him. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, you notice I haven't mentioned a quarterback yet. I may not, because I, I just don't know that there are. Uh, in terms of the quarterbacks, running backs, I thought Kenneth Walker at Michigan State made a very nice case for himself against Michigan. And if you go back and look at that game, there are times when there's not even much of a hole and Kenneth Walker's making stuff happen. So I think, I think he's got a good shot. Uh, I want to see Bryce Young in Alabama down the stretch because I think if he plays well against Auburn, if he plays well against Georgia, I think he'll have a, a very good shot, though. Again, I, I would question, is Bryce Young the best player on Alabama? Because I think Will Anderson can make a very strong case for being the best player for Alabama. Good to check in with you, as always, Andy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. 